0: hey hey we're your hosts
1: i'm charlotte and i'm jonathan and we believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give to yourself is the gift of wholeness through integrating all aspects of what it means to be human
0: and in this podcast we're bringing you insight information and inspiration to move from a stressful to stress-free life
1: your journey to become an even healthier and happier starts right now
0: welcome to wellness theory the podcast So welcome to today's show everyone and thank you for tuning in today we're excited to welcome back a previous guest Christina Mandlachiani who we had on our show last January talking about hacking happiness, but since then Christina has written a new book called The Art of Being Floresome, which we're excited to talk to her about today, and for those who did not catch the first episode with Christina she's an entrepreneur international speaker and artist. And Christina is also the co-founder of Mind Valley, which is a global educational organization offering training for peak human performance at every level. Now, Christina believes life is too important to be taken seriously and make sure to bring fun into every one of her roles as a teacher, mother, entrepreneur, the philanthropist, I nearly got that one wrong, and world traveler. That's amazing. So it's, it's so great to have you back on the show, Christina. How are you?
2: I'm good. And thank you for having back on the show. It's a pleasure to to see you again. <laughs> <Sorry>.
1: <laughs> well, our listeners absolutely loved hearing from you all about Hacking Happiness before. Um, and I really have, must say, like, out of everything in your introduction, it's all amazing, obviously, but I love the part about not taking life too seriously. I absolutely love that so much. So um, <laughs> would you like to just introduce yourself a little bit more, perhaps, from the way you see the world to our audience that perhaps didn't meet you on our last episode?
2: Uh, you know, I have to first of all because I'm um, I'm also a publisher in personal growth and transformation for many years now. Of course, we publish online courses, not yeah. not books like like the normal books. Uh, so I I'm very um, precise about quotations. So uh, life is too important to be taken seriously is not my quote. It yeah. is attributed to Oscar Wilde, although that's also not uh, strictly speaking very true. But he's the genius who said that life is too important to be yeah. taken seriously. And I love this quote since I was. Uh, in school, since before I even found out about personal growth and transformation, I was born in Soviet Union, so very traditional kind of uh, upbringing. And for us, anything anything non-academic was considered unserious, not not serious enough. Which maybe is why I enjoyed the quote by Oscar Wilde, because if life is yeah. too important to be taken seriously, maybe the unserious things are the ones that need to be explored a little more.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love that.
0: Absolutely, definitely. Like, again when we stop taking things too seriously and we start just enjoying what what comes up in life and start to understand that from a deeper perspective that everything is and just accepting it for what it is and starting to see everything from a from that kind of that that mindset of you can, everything can be made into into fun if if you're willing to see it that way if you're willing to perceive it that way as well.
2: I'd like to add to that actually yes. you know um in a lot of arts uh, the uh, difference between just a good professional and a master is the ability mm-hmm. to let go. So, nice. I was about 36 when I decided to learn a harp. Uh, and harp has this very interesting technique uh, where you play a, a sequence of arpeggios very quickly. And it's kind of hard to play if you're taking it too uh, strictly. Because, on one side, you do want your uh, fingers to hit the right strings. But on the other hand, it will it will not sound proper if you, if you try too hard. And that's a very interesting contradiction about life, which goes beyond just having fun. It's, uh, it's uh, Well, life is a contradiction. In essence, everything in life is, uh, is, is a contradiction. Uh, so even if you take the very uh, common ideas of personal growth and transformation, you have to know your goals, yet you have to be able to let go of them if you want to achieve them. You can't, you can't be too stuck on the outcome you're going for. Or in relationships, yes, we all need someone to love, but we can't be possessive. So uh, I think it's a movie quote, but if you love someone, you have to let them go. Yeah. But that's actually true. Almost anything in life, we, we, we stress and fret so much about being perfect and about learning it, but the true mastery and true genius strikes when you learn to let go and just enjoy the process. So it's, yes, fun is important, but it is, I think um, the deeper meaning of that idea uh, that probably Oscar Wilde didn't put in his quote, (laughs) knowing his cheek, but I think the deeper meaning of that idea that life is too important to be taken seriously is that you really really need to learn to let go if you want to become a master. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're just this very diligent, a perfectionist student, uh, you know, straight A and everything, who is just so stuck on technique mm. that uh, that that you're just one step away from true genius.
1: Oh, I love that That's so awesome. much. We talk a lot to our clients about being overachievers and not being high performers. And I really think what you've just described can almost encompass the difference there. It's like when we feel like we're overachieving. It was like always when we're chasing, we're striving, we're pushing, we're trying to do everything perfectly, we're having a sense of control. But I think true high performers, they know when to, you know, nail down technique, but they know when to let go and embody and embrace it and put their own spin on things. I'd love to know your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm an artist for a long time, but, but I like all sorts of different things. But almost anything you take, there is this moment of just trusting and getting into the zone. The only thing I haven't mastered is sports. (laughs) But but, uh, if you take dancing, uh, visual arts, uh, music, any kind of music, it's literally the point where you are so, you have done your work, you have done your homework. Mm -hmm. And for you to shine, you need to let go. And uh, physically, it's the same with, uh, Mm -hmm. it's, It's surprising, but the best remedy against pain is relaxation. So when you Mm -hmm. tense, when you try hard, when you hold on, Mm -hmm. that's when, uh, when, when your body is actually not doing its job. Uh, so yes, I'm, I'm a huge fan of letting go and also being a perfectionist all my life. <laughs> uh-huh. And a <the> speaking student, <laughs> I know how hard it is because the more important the thing is, yeah. the harder it is yeah. to, to go into the zone.
1: So I know for sure our listeners listening back to this are gonna be saying, okay, we get you, we're with you. We also know it's hard, but how will be the question on their lips? What would you say? And I
2: find it so, it's ironical and it's funny, in my opinion, because how do you let go? You let go, right? You don't put an effort. Effort and letting go are completely the opposite. Yeah. Uh, I've trained intuition in, in older days. And you know, the funniest question I get is, how can you explain intuition? Intuition is the opposite of logic. You don't explain it, you feel it, right? <laughs> so the same, how do you let go? You don't try. Exactly. it's exactly the opposite if you try hard to let go you can't just stop holding on <laughs> Exactly,
0: it comes back down to that perfectionism thing is where you want to process to let go it's you want it has got to be something to work towards but it's not it's it's that concept where as human beings we struggle to get our head around Is let go you just choose to let go um mm. and that's something obviously like we where we find ourselves as well from time to time Going in, are we are we surrendering? Are we letting go? Are we really? And then we go, oh no, we're not because we put an expectation to the letting go, so we're no longer letting go. We're trying to control it. And so it's very, very it's so it's so funny. Uh, that, that whole concept of every as a human being, we always want to say,'m'm I'm, I'm, okay, I'm surrendering, but this has to happen. or I'm surrendering, but I want this to happen. It's like, no, no, that defeats the object. It just let it let everything go and just go with the flow.
2: Yeah,
1: let, am I letting go properly?
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: We just complicate things so much, don't we? It's, it's incredible. I would well, say... Uh, I think I
2: think there is a natural moment where you have to let go where you're just uh, so exhausted that you can't uh, you can't do anything and maybe uh, it doesn't happen often thank God but maybe if you have experienced a situation where you're so stuck and so helpless that you just have to trust uh, trust the process trust the person that you don't know then you don't know that you can trust and that's the thing about trust trust is when you don't know and maybe if you have ever experienced anything like that you would know how it actually feels it's when you just stop when you yeah. let some something else someone else take care of it
1: mm, yeah and that's when you you start living from place of power I think absolutely oh so Christina there's so many ways this conversation can go with you already and actually before we jump in and start talking about what flawsome might mean I would love to um, actually stay on this topic of trust and I'd love to hear your thoughts on self-trust because we said there trust and letting go and put in perhaps our presence and our experience in something or someone else's hands. What do you think on self-trust?
2: That's, you know, I've never thought about trust from that angle. In fact, my whole book is um, is uh, shifting attention from outside into the outside, because one of the main messages that I'm trying to say is that rather than fixing the world, you have to fix your relationship with you, because the moment you, 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 um, feel and think about yourself differently. That's how the world starts changing around you. And I turn everything around. I turn, when I talk about honesty, I talk about self-honesty. When I talk about kindness or forgiveness, it's all about self. Although, of course, sometimes it's easier to make an analogy with, uh, for example, if you take Mm self-love, it's much easier to imagine loving someone unconditionally, someone that you actually physically have in your life. In my case, it would be children. Uh, With trust, I have never given thought to that that's so strange so I will have to be improvising right now (laughs) but but I think it is uh, it it is definitely the opposite of perfectionism it is definitely the opposite of uh, of trying to be in control of the processes of the things and just um, you know, I, I guess my struggle with self-trust is uh, swimming. I had uh, experience of uh, suffocating as a baby and then uh, almost drowning as a toddler. Oh. So I've always had very hard relationships with, with water. And I remember, sorry for name dropping, but I remember Richard Branson was teaching me to swim. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I would
1: totally name drop that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and no, the thing is that he's the person who said that to me. Uh, I was I was telling him that I have I I can't swim for a long time because I get such pain in my shoulders and my neck and it's so hard and he said wait let me try it because he's he's not a professional swimming teacher he just enjoys it and and he 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 does his swimming and then he comes and he says you know you just have to relax you're trying too hard and that's uh, exactly the process of self trust because I, I have fear of what I can't trust myself with that. Um, with that abyss with that inexplicable uh, environment for me so because i can't trust i have to be in control and i tense and that's exactly what we were talking about you know trust is letting go is is believing that things are going to be fine and we are so scared of dying i think that trust doesn't come easy
1: absolutely <laughs> so yes
2: my my biggest struggle with with self trust is definitely swimming, where I can't trust myself, and because of that, I I have not been able to master this thing. Um, and uh, I like comparing um, our abstract world with very simple physical examples because it's uh, it's easier to to convert that experience into into somewhere else. So you 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 experience them the situation where you want to control when you want to be perfect it's such an important thing i have to I have to try so hard and that's when it stops working it's like with arpeggios in the harp. the moment you try so hard it doesn't sound anymore it only sounds when you trust mm-hmm. and uh i i know with myself as well if i try too hard i'm not going to be my best self mm-hmm. never <laughs>
1: Interesting.
0: Oh, I love that answer. Love it. So talking about being your best self, let's kind of dive into the art of being flawsome, because I know part of that is obviously you're, you're talking about the flaws that we have as human beings, obviously, and then obviously the, the awesome, that, that kind of wordplay, that word combination of flawsome is, is awesome. We really, really love that terminology. So where did that come from? What, what is flawsome? And, and what, what is the art of flawsome? Like what is the book about?
2: Uh, so we, our conversation started a little bit uh, top down because we went into very serious mm. topics first. We're going on to a little bit more simple things. Uh, in my book, I actually touch upon letting go and, and trusting life and dancing mm. with life at the very end because yeah. you really need groundwork to uh, to get it and not yeah. to think that, oh, it's just less as fair, you know, just being lazy. Uh, but when it comes to Flawson, it's a little simpler. It's more about... Uh, about facing yourself fully uh, with all your flaws—that's where the awesome comes from. It's uh, awesomeness in being flawed, or you—you know, my my biggest perfection is in my imperfection. Uh, if we play around this concept, yeah. uh, so uh, it's about uh, facing yourself fully with all your uh, good sides and things that you maybe don't like about yourself so much, and not just embracing and and accepting yourself in that. Uh, in that state, but actually finding strength in uh, or, uh, or finding value in in those scratches and dents that life has uh, left on you. So that's that's the concept of loss. Some again. Uh, the... <laughs> The geek in me insists that I have to say that flossom is an orphan word I found on the internet. <laughs> it hasn't been attributed to anyone, so I adopted it. I don't even know in which shape I took it, but it's flossom with an nice. E in the middle because there is still awesome in it.
1: <laughs> I love that because you're really um, you're shifting the narrative, aren't you? Because there's, the, you know, in personal development as well, there's, there's often different approaches to things, naturally so. But you it A lot of people are always trying to fix their flaws, right? They try and fix a problem. They feel like they need to be fixed. But actually, what I'm understanding what you're saying is actually there's value in every part of us. And perhaps if we was to face it and shine a light on it, then perhaps we could actually live a bit more authentically. Would that be right?
2: Uh, yes, and you your question just triggered so many different thoughts that I would mm-hmm. like to chase uh, and one of them i'll just drop it without going deep into that is that I don't believe anybody needs fixing because fixing implies brokenness I think yeah. people need healing, which implies actually woundedness not brokenness but leaving fixing and, and healing aside. Um, I think that we sometimes, uh, especially in personal growth, we are so fascinated by the idea of perfection that we don't realize that perfection creates uh, the dragons. Uh, it is the source of the dark. It is the source of those things that we are ashamed of later. And uh, to give it again, to give a very simple analogy, uh, when you fall in love, there is this process where, you know, uh, we all uh, by default have an idea of an ideal, uh, ideal or a good partner, even if uh, we haven't uh, vocalized it already down like you know my ideal partner has to have this this and this and this when we find a person who matches our even subconscious thought of what it makes to be an ideal partner for me uh, we start ticking those boxes oh this person is perfect and we start falling in love and of course in the beginning our hormones help us with that process so every time we see a red flag we close our eyes we ignore it because we are still we're still willing to fall in love with a person and willing to fall in love with that ideal But uh, because of that process, because of being drugged, (laughs) and because of closing eyes on obvious red flags, because we want to fall in love, uh, some time passes, I think uh, they say it's about a few months uh, down the road, where we start seeing things for what they are. And we start seeing that uh, the person that we have been falling in love is not a picture of perfection. They are actually a real human being with their flaws. And at that moment, when we start seeing the real human being in that person that we've been falling in love, we really have two choices. You either accept that person for what that person is, as a human with his or her flaws and dents and scratches and and dragons in the basement, or we get disillusioned and we fall out of love. So a very similar process happens to us in personal growth. Specifically, people go into personal growth because they want to be a better person of them, uh, version of themselves. And being a better version of themselves means this picture, ideal picture of perfection. And when in love, it may be subconscious, in personal growth, it's very conscious. This is what I'm supposed to be. The better version of me is like this. And since we don't have the hormones helping us along, every time the real version of me doesn't correspond to the uh, perfect picture of what i'm supposed to be i really have the same choices am i going to stay still love myself imperfect can i love myself imperfect or i'm going to be disillusioned now if we go a little bit deeper into that whenever a human being faces something that they don't enjoy facing we go into natural thing which is uh, in psychology called defense mechanisms and there are loads of defense mechanisms, but most of them have to do with distorting reality. So this is the perfect picture of what I'm supposed to be. This is the real me. I don't like the real me, so I'm going to distort reality. I'm not going to accept the real me. I'm either going to, you know, um, sweep it under the carpet, which is called denial or negotiate or, you know, reaction formation. I'm not supposed to feel like that. I'm all love and enlightenment. How can I be totally unreasonably angry with this person? No, 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 I'm just concerned about you. You know, things like that. And there are so many ways how we can lie to ourselves. In fact, lying, self-deception starts from when the picture that we strive for and the actual reality don't correspond that gap needs to be filled in one way or another so what it leads to in essence is the dark side we all these things that we don't like to accept all these things that we disagree with that we try to present in a different way they they hide in the basement and they grow into little untamed dragons that we don't know what to do with later. So the thesis that I'm trying to uh, put forward right now is that, uh, you know, uh, chasing perfectionism is, is a path to the dark side.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love the way you describe them as little little dragons <laughs> as well. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard somebody describe it that way.
0: Definitely. It paints that picture. Um, so in your opinion, then what what stops us from being our true authentic selves? And what can we do to help overcome that?
2: Hmm. Oh, my God. That's such a huge question, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, we start with our good meaning uh, peers, uh, be that parents or teachers who tell us how to behave in public. <laughs> so social, social rules, obviously, uh, are important and necessary, but they don't come with a disclaimer <laughs> that once in a blue moon, you actually have to express yourself honestly, and not just politely. <laughs> and you don't need to be expressing yourself honestly to people in the world, you might need to express so honestly, to a person that you trust or to a psychotherapist, mm-hmm. but that thing has to happen. And um, we are not uh, taught that from a very early age. Uh, I um, witness um, that with children. I have children, so obviously I see, I see uh, little people in a different way. <laughs> I, I see how they interact with their big people in their life. Uh, but maybe you remember as a child, we, we are told don't, don't, don't scream, don't cry, don't be angry, don't be upset. Mm-hmm. When we are grown up, we are told, oh, first world problems. Mm-hmm. Think of all the people in Africa who are starving. <laughs> how <laughs> dare you to feel like this? <laughs> you should be happy that he dumped you. And then you're like, oh, shame on me. How, I can, how can I be feeling like that? Am I not uh, am I not a really evolved human being? <laughs> so we shame ourselves for natural reactions to life. We shame ourselves. And shame is not a pleasant feeling. It's on, um, on David Hawkins' scale of um, emotions, uh, it's, it's one of the lowest. I think it's, it's the lowest. It the blame is, yeah. yeah, blame is a little bit above that. So uh, shame is not a very pleasant feeling. We don't know how to deal with that. We're not told. So we, as I said, our, psycholo- our brain uh, likes to, def- uh, to protect us from harm. And uh, the world, the reality that is not to our liking is harm. So we start distorting reality, we start lying to ourselves. And uh, that's uh, the interesting, that's the, the tricky part because uh, you know, delusion, the nature of delusion is that you're never aware of it. Mm. And I've, I've asked that question so many times from stage, how honest are you with yourself? And people usually believe that they are, we don't even realize all the little cute ways that we lie to ourselves.
1: Mm, that's so true. It's such an important point. I remember thinking the exact same with what you just said. I thought I was very honest with myself until I started being honest with myself. And I was like, oh, my God, who, who was I kidding? And I'm pretty sure there's, you know, there's still things that I'm unaware of. And it's so interesting that actually for me, it was having somebody else mirror that back for me. Um, And having people in my life that I can say, okay, give me some truth right now. Give me some truth about something I don't even know yet, (laughs) but you can see in me. And actually that helped me so much to be honest with myself. So I wonder, is there anything else you could like give to to our listeners that might help them to start on the path of being more honest with themselves? Honesty
2: is a very tough topic because when we talk about honesty and uh, and lies, we uh, we slide into the conversation about ethics uh, because if we are talking about honesty to the outside world, then obviously there is a huge price tag to lying, uh, socially speaking, and uh, of course most of uh, you know criminal offences are based in lying, right? In in some sort of deception. So it's a little it's a little tough to uh, to, to turn the tables to look into the mirror and to say that you might be lying to yourself because lying is just, it just carries such a heavy weight of, uh, of uh, not being fine. So I guess uh, the, the easy, the, the, the first thing you have to uh, do is to, to come to, to peace with the idea that we, whether we like it or not, we do lie we do lie and if if it's maybe it will make it easier for you to just um, separate uh self-deception from everything else because when, when we're talking about self-deception there is no question of ethics anymore there is no question of, of a price tag there is a price tag but it's your personal price tag that you're carrying yourself so if you if you can um let go of the weight of this um you know, ethical aspect of lying in, in social setting and just admit that, that our brains uh, are built in a way to distort reality. Because if we didn't, we wouldn't survive. And there are natural, there are natural ways to distort reality, which, which are helpful. Uh, and that's interesting thing. Uh, you know, reality distortion is not so bad. Every belief that you have is an illusion in a way i love to quote cheshire cat from alice in wonderland she asks alice asks are you crazy and he says well i'm I'm loosely quoting him and uh, he says like we're all crazy you wouldn't be here if you were not (laughs) (laughs) but that's the thing Uh, our idea of the world is an illusion so there are two things uh first of all there is nothing wrong with an illusion as long as it is supportive as long as it helps you to move on Uh, Or not just that, if we bring back ethics, as long as it makes you a good person. (laughs) But uh, on the other hand, you know, it's important to be clear about that. So, for example, I don't like aging, and I've decided that I, I, I'm done with that bullshit.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I
2: don't believe in it. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? I know it's an illusion, but, you know, if it supports me, I'm going to believe in that. The other, the other question is that there are a lot of illusions that we believe in without even questioning. Are they good for us? Mm-hmm. So when we are talking about self-deception is damaging to you, uh, it's it's the one which, you know, you... You just have to say, okay, if everything is an illusion, can I pick the illusion that works for me? Uh, but again, we are being on the surface a little bit right now. Being honest with yourself uh, is—it's it, it, it's practice. You need to to start practicing. It's not going to happen like this. Uh, it's uh, you. You notice you notice situations and you ask yourself, is that the truth? And who knows the truth? <laughs> <laughs>
1: so true so true for me you, you it, guys are asking it, such <laughs> hard questions <from> <laughs> <laughs> but you've got so much wisdom exactly. to share we want to elicit that from you but it's it's so true like I mean for me I mean it's I, I, and I would like to think that I'm not alone in this that it's, it's it's an ongoing process I think for everybody in many ways is is that constant like reflection and almost checking and making sure that we're on the on the path that is serving our highest growth and our highest good and for ourselves and for those around us um it definitely doesn't happen overnight it's taken me years and years and years to see things like illusions that I'd been living in for so long and I was like this this is blowing my own mind and it's like how could I have not seen this but then the feeling of shame come back into play right I then saw that as a flaw how could I have lived my life for decades at a time since I'm a kid thinking that this was healthy or the right way or whatever it was it just just then shaming myself for having experienced that and gone through that and you mentioned shame earlier when we were talking about obviously being flawsome so I'd love for you to perhaps share your your antidote to shame like you say it's one of the lowest vibrational emotions that exist and unfortunately I think is probably one of the least talked about topics And don't get me wrong there's incredible um, leaders in this space but I would love to just hear your your illusion around shame and and how perhaps our listeners could turn that into an illusion that serves them.
2: Well, uh, on the side note, of course, Brene Brown is the queen of shame. (laughs) She can talk about that well. Uh,
1: I I would like
2: to start actually a step back and uh, bring me back if I forget, because I I like to go on a rant. (laughs) Uh, I actually think that that's the thing about honesty. It's a sharp weapon and it's a uh, double-sided sword. And uh, honesty without uh, kindness is mean. Uh, and uh, a lot of things in our life if we take them too far they can become damaging including love including kindness by the way kindness without honesty is meek so uh when i talk about uh, honesty i always as a warning bring in the very necessary component component you can't wield honesty without kindness and also even before you go into honesty it's very important to realize that There are almost no absolute truths, maybe except the subjects that uh, Stephen Hawking was talking about in in his uh, studies and researches and books. Uh, And and he's talking about, you you know, the the way the universe is built and, (laughs) and how the planets are moving around. Apart from that, there's barely any absolute truth. And that's the thing uh, with honesty, without kindness, and without, without, um, and, and there is so much ab- abso- absolutism. God, I can't, no, don't know how to pronounce it, but we, we believe in absolutes, and we, we go out there, and we say, this is the truth, and this is my truth, and it's, you know, the, the concept of tough love, and whatnot. Uh, it, it lacks two things. One, the humble realization that there is no absolute truth, and what may be true now, maybe be wrong in different circumstances for a different person at a different time uh the other thing is the kindness and in my opinion kindness can help a lot on a personal growth uh, journey in, including with the questions of shame it's just a question of learning to be kind to yourself but one more antidote which actually helps i think a lot is to replace judgment with curiosity mm. if we do things not out of uh you know, when you say I have to be better or I shouldn't be doing that, that comes with judgment. When a child is learning to walk, do you tell the child you should be walking at this age? No, you're you you under, you're understanding when the child falls down because that's the way the learning process works. But when it comes to the perfect me, oh my God, God forbid, am I not supposed to be perfect right like this straight away? We go with judgment into personal growth and transformation into, to our own journey. But if you replace judgment with simple curiosity and you do things not because I have to do things per- uh, perfectly but because I'm curious, how's it going to feel? How's it going to be? What if I try it another way? And curiosity is so much easier um, so much easier on us. and here we could go into, into a, a different conversation about you know what makes us grow. There are two, two ways to, to raise a child. You can raise a child through punishment or through encouragement. Hmm. punishment makes you uh, move through fear because you are afraid of punishment more than uh, you're afraid of movement encouragement has the word courage in it it gives you courage not because you're afraid of something but because you know that no matter what you do no matter how hard you fail you can still be loved well in childhood it's the parent who can give you love no matter what you do and grown when we grow up we have to learn to to give that unconditional love to ourselves
1: yeah i love the way you you uh, like you referred to children and i think we all have our own inner children in a sense don't we all of these uh, perhaps flaws that we've masked over over time you know they they show up because they, they want that love in many ways And i think it's it's beautiful that you you've shared the kids it just in relation to that because i think it's powerful to just reflect that back in with as well
0: definitely i think when you're playing like when you are brought up under that kind of guise of punishment that's when you start to see your flaws as a bad thing as you're a broken person but like you said when you are when you're encouraged as you grow up and you're taught to not see things as good or bad and see so everything as is a as is is an opportunity to learn from that's when you can start to see your flaws as an opportunity to grow and to know that you are like your flaws are a part of you and and they can be used to to help you grow instead of to think oh okay i need to fix this i need to fix this and i think that's where a lot of i think in life stress comes from um when we're so oh okay i want to go for this promotion but i can't because i'm scared of interview I'm scared to talk I'm scared to do this or this or this or this I've got all these little things okay I'm just going to stay in my lane I'm going to stay in my little box in my comfort zone and not grow anymore and so I'd love to kind of get your perspective on the relationship between our flaws um generally and the role stress has to play in that
2: Mm. um I think, uh, you know, I would take it a little bit further, because even even the idea that uh, you can use flaws for growth is based in judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I know it's again, it's um slippery slope. Uh, mm-hmm. And since I don't believe in absolutes, you always have yeah. to take things as, you know, there are exceptions, or there are way uh, the there, there, there are the opposites of the same uh, of the same uh, phenomenon. So when it comes to uh, your dragons in the um, basement. What I want uh, people to understand that very often they're not the flaws that need to be repaired or changed. They're just the, the they're just the core of what you are. They make you what you are. I used to say I was a recovering perfectionist because I thought perfectionism was a flaw, until I realized that I cannot recover from that. It is what it is. So my question is not to paint my dragons into bunnies or train them into bunnies, but to just uh, tame them, to be able to, to ride them if I have to. So I am still a perfectionist. I'm not recovered and I will never recover, but I have learned the rules how to live with it and have to f- how to find uh, strength and value in them. Uh, and that's and that's the the shift that I, I think that we as a humanity need to learn to to make, to stop uh, villainize everything which is uh, off the norm, uh, and to see the, the the value in the things which are maybe broken, maybe flawed. Imagine if everyone was perfect; it would be like Stepford Wives, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a scary thing to see?
1: Very, <laughs> Very
2: often your mistakes and you. Yeah. Uh, you you surviving or you thriving or you getting out of these flaws, or you taming your dragons that makes you valuable to the world. And I know like, you know, as a speaker and I've shared stage with some of the best speakers in the world because our stage is just uh, super cool. (laughs) But but I remember years ago, uh, not that long time ago, a few years ago, I would always feel inadequate going on stage. I would look at the best speakers in the world, look at how they are and remember that I come from an obscure background. I have a very strange accent that some people really hate. And I would feel so small and so insignificant uh, until one day I remember I was fretting going on stage. It was a big event. And I hid behind the corner of a building just not to see people <laughs> and to breathe myself into existence. <laughs> and then this lady passes by and she's like, oh, that's you. I'm so looking forward to your speech. And then she says, You know, you're so relatable, and the way you talk, I feel like it's me talking, like you're talking to me. And I realized that my, me not being like all the other speakers, not coming across as the super polished (laughs) person who has been staged, who's even, who's. Even, you know, little flaws are staged <laughs> and polished because you know exactly how, how everything, what kind of reaction you, you, you create in your audience, that that is my value. Mm-hmm. And only when I embraced my value and I came out and I, I, I thought, I am different, but that's what makes me valuable. Mm, I love that. that's, that's when I found strength in my dragons rather than going and training them out of myself and I've got pers- uh, I've got public speaking training from the best teachers in the world and I guarantee you not one from three that I can think <laughs> of right now and I could make it I could be a little clone of them of course I'm a perfectionist I could be anything but does the world need another clone of a good speaker
0: no nope.
1: need you yes thank you authentically as well right like that really is the embodiment of of authenticity right it's when you can go up and just show you and know why you're there and why it's why it's different and that that lady that walked past you god thank god for her yeah. <laughs> how are you um, me up
2: yeah, yeah I, I, I'm just thinking even like, if you think of singers or, or actors, we, we actually love the memorable ones, those who defy convention.
1: Totally.
2: Not the, and there is then the picture of perfection that everybody strives for.
1: Yeah. So is it fair to say then to, to slay the dragons, well, you don't need to slay the dragons, first of all, <laughs> um, is to be able to ride your dragons is to find the value in them. And from there you find the strength.
2: Yes. It is a journey, yeah. We, we are taught all, all our life that everything that makes us special is, uh, is the wrong about us. Mm. Because doesn't the system prefer the perfectly equal cogs? Mm. The, they, they fit the pattern, they're, they're actually uh, scalable. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Imagine if all of those flaws were the things that were right about us.
2: Mm. Well, that's how evolution works something goes off the norm off the of the grid and then suddenly that's the
0: strength definitely so if if you could give one piece of practical advice and i know there's more than one but for anyone listening if they want to walk away after listening to this and go okay what do i what can i do right now to start being flawsome to really tap into my authentic self what 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 advice what practical advice would you give that person
1: in addition to, in addition to everything you
0: can
2: yes <laughs> uh, well I'll, I'll i'll do i'll do me and i'll quote uh cinderella's mother from the 2005 movie <laughs> <Not that. laughs> she said uh have courage and be kind Not and it. i think this is such a genius advice mm.
0: Mm. absolutely
1: it really is that is genius. I think if you do that, you, you really start to lean into the, the things that we've mentioned today, like the, the the shame, the flaws, your relationship to yourself, your own dragons. It's it's a it's a perfect starting point. How do you how do you make that even more practical though? <laughs>
2: well you you will need practical skills so uh, well since we were talking about my book in my book i actually give a few things which are absolutely necessary first of all i don't think we are taught enough how to deal with emotions and i call it emotional abc although i wanted to stick to <laughs> to british terminology and <laughs> emotional literacy <laughs> but it is it, it conveys the point uh it's uh Dealing with emotions is something which is scientific, something which, which, I mean, we know as humanity, we know how to do that, but we are not taught that. So uh, one very important skill is, uh, is dealing with unpleasant feel, feelings that you will have, and you will have them. As Susan David says, um, you know, pain is the price uh, you have to pay for being admitted into meaningful life. If you want to have a meaningful life, you have to be fine with pain because pain will be part of it. And uh, surprisingly, as children, we are uh, taught that happiness is this, uh, you know, this uh, kind of uh, non-existing uh, land where there is no pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we, we go into adult life believing that happiness is absence of pain and to boot that not having practical skills to deal with pain. And it will come. (laughs) <laughs> whether you like it or not so uh, one one skill that i absolutely think that humanity needs is to learn to deal with unpleasant emotions in a healthy way and it's all to- it's, it's all out there you you know you google <laughs> and you find all the information you need and then i believe that there are three skills that need to be trained to uh, live authentically and they go hand in hand one of them is honesty it's something which is trainable. I have in my book I talk about rules of using honesty because it can be a dangerous weapon uh, against yourself and against the world, it can be a dangerous weapon. Uh, then another one is kindness and I suggest uh, actually for maybe f- as an experiment to focus to shift your focus from love to kindness mm. because love is such a such a tall order, and a lot of the times because we can't we can't fulfill it, we start. Um, We we start uh, faking it. (laughs) Uh, And kindness is a very different uh, animal. You can be kind to people who are uh, bad, who have done you wrong. You can still show kindness to them. And to yourself. If it's hard to love yourself, try kindness. Mm. It's much easier to be kind than to be loving. Uh, And the last uh, skill uh, well, in that sequence um, is courage which uh, as any other muscle is trainable you have to do things which you're uncomfortable with that's as simple as that and of course I have also safety <laughs> safety rules for courage
1: <laughs> I like that I like the fact that you have got the, the rules to go along with the lessons because again I think that's actually a missing part of the puzzle right it's often you hear these one-liners <laughs> but then there's not much depth behind them so you're actually making them practical
2: well, we we live in the world of one-liners, right? We, we like give me give me a magic pill.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: of course, I'm sure that uh, chemistry is going to reach the point where you can, uh, you know, drug yourself into perfect happiness and fulfillment. And we are looking for that in so many ways. Shortcuts is our favorite thing, but that's that's. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll quote quote my friend Vina. <laughs> you can Google her; you won't find anything. She says. <laughs> life is simple and deep but we make it shallow and complicated mm-hmm. so the more we go for shallow truths, the more complicated it becomes but if you have the courage to dive deep you will find that everything is so simple but you need honesty kindness and courage
1: Oh, love that! I'm just let, <laughs> letting that soak in a little bit. I'm so totally going to be listening to this back on replay before it's um, published again. Well. <laughs> um, so, Christina, what what do you think the world would look like if everybody was was to embrace their blossom?
2: Oh my, I wonder what it would look like. I don't <laughs> like to give uh, to give uh, predictions because who knows? You know, there is there the, the, there is the scenario that we we paint in our head, and then there is the the actual flow of events. Which, which, which illusion would you choose? <laughs> like yesterday, for example, I read some uh, Nobel Prize winners say, predicting that internet is not going to stick or have any, any lasting effect on the economy. <laughs> or have you seen back mm. to the future? <laughs> yeah. I mean, now, recently. Yeah. So I do not know, but I believe that people would be much happier and more fulfilled if they were taught To actually love themselves unconditionally and if we if we didn't have to distort love for the lack of it why do we distort love because we don't have enough why do we go out and look for uh, admiration for likes for for validation because we can't give it to ourselves we think that uh, there is such an interesting thing as too much love we, and, and, and then we, we misunderstand, we think that selfishness is love, it's not about love, it's about lack of love, it's about absence of love, that indulgence is about love, that no, uh, fear, lack of courage is about lack of love, you are, as, as one of our teachers said, you are on the sofa lying complacent with your current life, not because you love yourself so much, but because you don't have enough love for yourself. It's like with children, going back to that analogy, when the child knows that no matter how bad the child fails, the child will have the courage to go and explore the world. So we think that we are complacent, that we're indulgent, that we are selfish because we have too much love. Whereas in reality, it's the distortion of love. It's the the symptom that you don't have enough unconditional love for yourself.
0: Oh, I feel like I
1: want to go down that rabbit hole, but I want you know. to be
0: uh, respectful of everybody's time. Definitely. <laughs> um, so, sorry, go on. Yep. Ernie, do you have a question else? No, Okay, so, Christina, before we do, obviously, wrap everything up, is there any final words, anything you feel like our audience really needs to know from you before before you wrap it up? Any final words of wisdom?
2: I'll uh, circle back to what we started with. Life is too important to be taken yeah.
0: seriously. <laughs>
1: just
2: chill <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, one, the one thing that you said at the start as well uh, which is how you said I think your book ends um or it leans towards is that learning to dance with life and that was a realization that I had I was like I want I want, I want to experience that and feel that and I wanted to feel that level of embodiment and then I realized I wasn't dancing mm-hmm. I'm like how am I gonna dance with life if I'm not dancing and and it was just it's this small little realization that just I think it had a cascade of different light bulbs at moments. So I love that your book kind of starts to go down, down that path of dancing with life as well. It's beautiful. Thank you. So where can our listeners find you and your new book?
2: So I have uh, my website, Christinamann.com and Christina with a K uh, it's the, uh, Estonian way of spelling my name, (laughs) and uh, if you put slash book uh, I haven't started pre sales yet because it's. Uh, you know, aiming at New York Times bestsellers is a long and complicated process. Yeah. <laughs> but but if you want to read my book, and I uh, I do talk about a lot of the things in the book that we talked mm-hmm. about, and in in some topics that go much deeper, uh, then uh, then you can just leave your email, and uh, I, I promise in my in my first email that you will receive is that <laughs> you know I'm not going to desperately sell anything because I um, I, I really believe that. Uh, that I have a message and I believe in my message. And if you want to to read the book, when, when I open pre-sales, I'll let you know. And that's literally what, <laughs> what you will find What's, on the christinamount.com slash book. <laughs> we'll
0: add that to the show notes as well. Some people can easy add their email. and eagerly await your book
1: yeah you absolutely have a message yeah. like 100 there is no doubt everybody listening please get on that email list we're on that email list now and definitely can't wait for it to to come out so um yeah we'll be we'll be first in line yes. probably <laughs> by anybody else out of the way
2: <laughs> thank you so much it was such a pleasure talking to you and thank you for such uh tough questions <laughs>
0: thank, <laughs> thank you for great answers awesome. yeah. yeah
2: thank you thank
1: Thanks.
0: you for
2: the
1: work you're doing
0: If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.
1: Then share it with a friend who you think might benefit.
0: Spread the word. That's how we're going to impact the world by helping each other.
1: We appreciate you so much. And as always, unconditional love and wellness to you.